All right, let's open our Bibles, and I'm going to read one verse of Scripture. I'm going to give you a brief introduction, and I'm going to tell you something tonight. And what I want to tell you is this. Because, you know, I, I thought about how to introduce this, and, and you know, I, I could introduce this, introduce this technically and get into this, and we could talk about Corinth, and we could talk about, the, you know, the, all the arguments of who wrote the book and all this and that. But that's not what you need. You need a principle. You need a word from God tonight. So I'm going to look at verse 3 and then talk a little bit about this book of 2 Corinthians. But 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. If you need a verse to carry you today and for the rest of this week, here it is. Here it is. Powerful verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all Comfort. Oh, I like that, don't you? I like the, uh, the NLT says, and by the way, the NLT, I was reading the NLT this week. That is a really good translation. Very plain and, and liberties at places, but what a great translation. Went through this whole book of 2 Corinthians in the NLT, New Living Translation. The, the verse 3 of the NLT says, all praise to God. I like that. Paul starts out this book with praise. So I want to talk to you a few minutes about Something you need to remember to do. You and I need to remember to praise God. Have you praised Him today? Have you forgotten? I mean, you might have done 10,000 things today. But did you remember to praise Him? I want to talk to you tonight about that. Remember to praise God. Now, Paul in this book of 2 Corinthians, you know, we went through the 1 Corinthians. took me 38, uh, 38 messages and I actually left an entire chapter out. And nobody ever said anything to me. And I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't even believe it. I left a whole chapter out. And I'm not even going to tell you which one. I'll go back later and do it. But what, help me tell you what happened. So I'm preaching along here. And then I took a break. And then I got so interested in another chapter, I just had to go. Man, I couldn't go back. And so anyway, nobody said it. But anyway, it took me 38 uh, messages. And I never even got through with it. So I'm not, not through yet. But we're going on. Can we go on? Say amen. So we're going on. So here, Paul in the second book of Corinthians, there's so many reasons for him not to praise God. You know, there's a lot of reasons for you every day not to praise God. You know, there's something that everyone has that no one wants. That's trouble. Everyone in this room has something. something some kind of negativity, some kind of something. You know, maybe not every day, but there's stuff that we face. Everybody's got that stuff. Paul had more than all of us. I mean, you read the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, and what Paul went through, you just want to just say, hey, I've never been through anything. But one of the things he does is through this book, he just praises God. We need to remember to praise God. Wherever you are tonight, praise Him. You know why? Praise changes things. One of the things that changes is you. It changes you. We need to praise God. So let me just give you a quick snapshot of, uh, of this book. We're going to jump into this. I want to call this series, and it won't be as long, I promise you. I'm going to take bigger chunks. But I, I thought, here's a good title for the series, for the book of 2 Corinthians. An Authentic Ministry, The Anatomy of an Apostle. An Authentic Ministry. You know what this 2 Corinthians is about? The ministry. You say you should never defend yourself. Paul takes a whole book and defends himself. He's defending his ministry. He's defending his apostleship. And what a great man of God he was. I just, I just love the apostle Paul. Just don't know anyone like him. 
and as a human being, the, the, the commitment, the depth of his love for Jesus Christ, to me, is absolutely astounding. Astounding. So, the, an authentic ministry, the anatomy of an apostle. And the message tonight, particularly out of this verse, remember to praise God. Here's what happened. Of course, we know Paul founded the church in Corinth, and he went there and he spent a year and a half. And in that year and a half, after he left, the church fell into serious problems. So he sends Timothy, and he says, Timothy, I want you to go speak to them. I want you to go tell them, you know my teaching. Timothy, you've been with me. I want you to go try to rescue this church. There's conflict. There's, there's things that are going on there. You need to go. So, so he sent them. He sends Timothy, and then right after he sends Timothy, Timothy's going there, he writes a letter, and he sends 1 Corinthians. And then things get worse. And so then Paul visits. And, and you get throughout the book of 2 Corinthians, he talks about the painful visit. We don't know a lot about it. We just know it was painful. Paul's going in there, and there's arrogance against his leadership, and there's division, and, and stuff's going on, and Paul's trying to deal with this stuff. And I mean, sometimes stuff is hard to deal with. And Paul had the painful visit. You, you read about that in 2 Corinthians 2.1. And so as it goes along, there's still no resolution. So he writes them a letter. We don't have this letter. It's called the severe letter. I wrote this severe letter, and he says in the book, he says, it made you sorrowful. And he said, I'm not, I'm not sorry that it made you sorrowful because it brought repentance. I mean, no, there's positive parts of the word, but there are negative parts of the word. But there's some parts that we need to, to deal with us. I mean, sometimes God, but God as a father deals in love because he knows things are going to harm us. And Paul, as a father to the church, as an apostle that loved this church, he sends the severe letter and he, and, he, and he gets really straight with them. Not because he doesn't love them, but because he does love them. You know, if we love people, we'll tell them the truth. We'll do it in love, but we'll tell them the truth. And that's important. So we, we, this, this severe letter was taken by, by Titus. We get that in 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through, uh, 4 through 9, uh, chapter 7, 8 through 12. And then after time, Paul is worried. He's worried. And finally, Titus comes back and he gets the news that a lot of these problems are being solved. And then that's when he writes 2 Corinthians. And he sends this letter to them. He wrote, he, there's four reasons that he wrote this letter. Four reasons. Number one, he wrote them to encourage them to forgive the guy who caused all the trouble or the little group that was causing all the trouble. He said, I want you to forgive them. I mean, they had repented, but they weren't, they weren't letting them off the hook. Now, it'd be different if they weren't repenting. It'd be different if they, weren't, they were still causing trouble. But they seem, in the book, you get the inference, they've repented. They felt bad for what they did. They've apologized. And they're not, they're not forgiving them. I mean, you know, when somebody asks for forgiveness, we got to give it to them. Right. We pray for that, and we release them in that. And they weren't letting it go. And Paul said, hey, you need to forgive them. I've forgiven them. You go ahead and forgive them. You get that in 2 Corinthians 2, 6 through 11. Second reason the letter was written, Paul wanted to explain his change of plans. They were accusing Paul of being fickle. He said he was going to show up. He didn't show up. The Lord led him somewhere else. And so what happened is they began to accuse him. You know, you're, you're, you're fickle, Paul. And Paul explaining the change of plans. Third reason he wrote to them is he was wanting to enforce his apostolic authority. He talks about in 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 about the, the ministry which God gave him. You're not really, you're not an apostle, Paul. 
You're not like the 12 and then, then the super apostles came in causing problems. But Paul said, no, I've been called and, and I have the signs of an apostle in my life. And he writes them. The fourth reason he wrote to them is he wrote them to, to get them to encourage them to share in the offering. To share in the offering that was given, that was going to go to Judea, to go to the, the suffering Christians uh, in the mother church in Jerusalem. We see that in 2, 8, and 9. Now, there's a key word in this book. What do you think the key word is? You've read it. It's used over and over again. And it's the word comfort. The word comfort or encouragement is used over and over again. And it means one called alongside. The verb is used 18 times in this book. And the noun is used 11 times. You see it over and over again. Again, and it is a letter of encouragement. Here's Paul in suffering, but he's encouraging these folks. So what's Paul's secret to the victory? Paul's suffering. Paul's going through stuff. And the secret is God. The secret is keeping our eyes on God. The secret is to get our eyes off the things that are happening around us and turn our attention to God and get our eyes on the Lord and keep our eyes on God and watch God work. So tonight, quickly... I'm going to give you four reasons, four reminders, if you will. Four reasons to praise God. Four things out of this one little verse, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Paul says, I want you to remember to do something. I want you to remember to praise the Lord. Four reasons why. Number one, number one is, is this. We need to remember to praise God because He is the one God and He is the true God and He's really the only God. We know that. He says here, uh, as I've said in the NLT, all praise to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. That's a praise. All praise, all praise goes to God. How I many know praise can change things? Really, there is a, there is a power in praise. And therefore, and you know, our worship team is not just singing songs. We're singing praise songs to God. You know, really, in a worship service, there's an audience of one. And our praise is not... And I, and I understand that the Ephesians says, you know, singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, making melody in our heart to the Lord. You know, we're even teaching during times of worship. But really and truly, it's an audience of one. All praise goes to God. We're not, we're not into the entertainment business. We're not into, you know, singing the song you like or I like. We're, we really just want to bring honor to the Lord. And when we begin to praise, things happen. I mean, I've, I've watched during praise services. All of a sudden, we're worshiping the Lord, and then somebody's just starting to cry. Why? Because it's gone, it's gone into their heart. Now their heart is being moved toward God. Because it's not just music. It's not just talent. It's anointing. The Holy Spirit's anointing is on that song. You know, we were singing that song Sunday and I was just so blessed. Uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I came in tonight, and Sister Jessie, that's on the camera, she said, Pastor, she said, first thing she said, that song we sang Sunday, I've sang it all week. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We started singing that, and that just got in our spirit, didn't it? Why? Because it was more than just music. It was worship to God. There was an anointing on it. And we do see it serve the Redeemer. And he redeemed us 2,000 years ago. More than that. However long ago. In eternity past. Ephesians 1.4 said he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. 
You've been chosen. Do you know that? You've been chosen by God. We've been redeemed. But not only that, God redeems circumstances. God can redeem you out of that circumstance. If you'll trust Him, you cannot fail. God doesn't sponsor failures. He sponsors successes. Because God wants us to win in His name. Things change. Praise changes things. You know, when, when the Jehoshaphat and those guys went out, they didn't know what to do. They were outmatched. You know, most of the stuff in this world, the church is outmatched in the natural. Right. We're natural. I mean, what? The bank's got more money than we do. They got more resources than we In the natural. We're, we're always outmatched in the natural. But we're not natural people. You're born of God. The Spirit of God lives in you. Listen, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The same Spirit that, that raised Lazarus from the dead, that the demons went out of the demon-possessed man, that blind eyes opened, that's the same Spirit in this building tonight. It's not a sub-Spirit, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. And we begin to praise God like Jehoshaphat. And it just simply says this. It's, you know, God's, God's instructions are not complicated. You ever notice... When people get so complicated and so convoluted, it just, it just they lose me. I heard one guy said, only a philosopher can take that which is simple and make it complicated. God just told him through the prophet, I think it was in Jehaziel or whatever the guy's name was, the prophet. He said, just set the praisers out front and just start praising the Lord. Well, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. That don't make any sense. In the natural, it doesn't make any sense. But we're not natural people. You're telling me that if I confess my sins to God and I repent of those sins and I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection, I'll be saved and my name will be written in heaven and the Holy Spirit will come to live in me and I'll live with God for eternity? Yes! Why? We're not natural people. We're spiritual people. We've been born of God. God said, go praise. Well, that's crazy. But I believe it. I believe it. I heard an atheist today was interviewing this Christian minister, evangelist, uh, apologist. And he was asking all these crazy and convoluted questions. You know, things that I don't, I can't answer all the questions. I can't. I can't answer all the questions. You know, why this and that? And, you know, I can't answer all those questions. But I have enough that I, I believe. I believe. And where, where I may be confused on some things, listen, that's, that's because of my lack of intellect. And my, I'm not God. I'm just a little speck in the whole scheme of things. But I serve the awesome God. I can trust Him. Even when I don't understand, I was sitting at a restaurant in Terrell, Texas a number of years ago and sitting there and we were ministering to this young lady. We witnessed her, invited her to church and she said, uh, I used to go to church. And she said, uh, we said, what, what happened? Why did you fall out of church? And she said, this just out of the blue, she said, why does God allow babies to suffer? Suffering. Unjust suffering. I can't answer that. Except to say this, that we have free moral agency. 
People do evil things. But God never did any evil. Evil is from human beings, from Satan. And, and I, I have the kind of faith, and I believe that you do too, that I can look out and see unjust things that are even done to us as human beings and still trust God and not blame God. He's good and His mercy endures forever. Come on. He's good, perfectly good, perfectly holy. Every good gift comes from God. God wants good for us. It's the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, well, how are you going to describe, how are you going to say Job and Joseph of the Old Testament and, and, and people, look, read Fox's Book of Martyrs, all those wonderful Christians died. Yeah, stuff like that happens. Doesn't stumble my faith. Why? I believe what this book says. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so Jehoshaphat and these guys, they go out and they said, okay, we'll do it. And they just went out and began to say, Bless the, praise the Lord, His mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, His mercy endures forever. Isn't it amazing how God, God's plans always work? Isn't it amazing how the Word of God will always work? And it says in the text there, it says that, that, that all those armies, it says in the last little phrase, were defeated. They were defeated. When they obeyed God, they were, praise changes things. Why should we pray? He's the one true God. All praise goes to God. It's interesting. There's, there's this, this phraseology, blessed be the God and Father, or in the NLT, all praise to God, is used in a couple other places. Ephesians 1.3 and 1 Peter 1.3. It's used there. And here, here's the thing. In, in the Ephesian passage, it, the, 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 uh, the apostle is praising God for what the Lord did in the past, choosing us in salvation in eternity past. Lord, thank you for what you did way back there. All praise goes to you. But the Peter, 1 Peter 1, 3, praises God for the living hope all the way, way, way in the future. So we got the, but, but then it's used in this verse in a different way. Ephesians, he's saying, God, thank you for eons of time ago. You chose us. You saved us. Praise, all praise to God. And then Peter says, well, wait a second, Paul. I'm going to praise him what he's going to do way, way, way out there. And then, Peter come, and then Paul comes back and says, oh, I'm not, but I'm just going to praise him for what he's doing right now. And that's what this passage I read to you tonight. Paul is not praising God for what God did way back there or going to do way over there. Paul said, I'm going to praise him right now. He is comforting me right now. Bless God, I've got his comfort right now. You can praise him right now. God bless me in eternity past. We're going to be blessed in eternity future, but I can bless him right now because he's with you and I. Bless me, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort right now. Paul, you read that first chapter of 2 Corinthians 1. Paul's going through trials. We were about dead. We didn't think we were going to make it out. But, oh, God was with us. God raises the dead. We can praise him, can't we? During what was called the 30-year war, there was a plague in 1637. There was a, there was a pastor and a hymnologist named Martin Rinkhart. It was such a terrible time. It's in Germany, Saxony. They said he would do 40 funerals a day sometimes. They said during his ministry, he probably did 4,000 funerals. Play. You can read, go on to Wikipedia, type in Martin Rinkhart. 
He wrote a hymn. Can you imagine having any kind of praise during that time? I mean, you, we, it rains and we get depressed. Can you imagine doing 40 funerals a day and 4,000 in your ministry and there's plagues and there's death and there's war? But in the middle of that, he writes a hymn of praise. And, and he, here's how it goes. It's called a hymn. He said this. It's called, Now Think We Are God. Now, in the plague, here's how it goes. <clears throat> now think we are God with hearts and hands and voices whose wondrous things hath done in whom the world rejoices. More meaningful, it's written in the plague, it's written in the storm, it's written in the bad time, it's written in the dark season, but yet still praising God. That's what Paul's doing. Paul's saying, God's still God. We can praise God now because God's in control. That's what Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians. God's in control. We know that he's working out his plan, Romans 8, 28. We know that, I like this, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that's loved us, Romans 8, 37. In, I like that, in all these things. Oh, if it, yeah, when it gets better, when I get a raise, when I get this, when my health gets, no, in all these things. Right now, Brother Jason, we're more than conquerors right now. We still have challenges before us, but you know what? Right now, we're more than conquerors. Why? Because our God is God. We can praise Him. Have you praised Him this week? Have you praised Him today? Have you blessed Him today? You need to. Here's the second reason, and that's because He's our Father. Blessed be the God and everybody say Father. You know the reason He's our Father? Because of Jesus Christ. Oh, don't you love Jesus? Think about what Jesus has done for us. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus took hold of God. He is God. He took hold of man in his suffering. And he's the mediator. He's, he represents us at the right hand of God. He ever lives to make intercession. I'm going to be all right. This salvation is eternal. Yeah, I'm going to be all right. Why? Jesus is always going to be there. He's going to be there. He represents us as the God man at the right hand of Father and, and because of that, we're the children of God. And so Jesus said, when you pray, now we talked about, you know, the Lord of hosts, the mighty, the, the God of the armies of heaven on Sunday. We were in warfare mode, weren't we? I should have wore fatigues. I mean, I was in warfare mode. But, uh, but, you know, Jesus said, but when you pray, say, our Father. Romans says, He's given us the spirit, not a bondage again to fear, but what? The spirit with which we cry, Abba, Father. Which means, Father, Father. <laughs> you could actually hear in Jerusalem, Abba, 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 Father. Abba, Father is Father, Father, Father. Here's some things you and I need to remember. You need to remember this. that God. Listen to this. Are you listening? Come on. God the Father loves you. This is going to blow some of you away. Some of you are going to have to chew on this a week or so because it's hard for you to believe this. But the truth is, God the Father loves you as much as He does His Son, Jesus Christ. That could never be. Well, what does your Bible say? Well, let's see what the Bible says. John 17, 23. Here's what it says. This is Jesus' words, by the way. In Him and you and me, that they may be perfect in one. 
and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, have loved them as you have loved me. You love them just as you have loved me. You love my apostles. You love my children just like you love me. Same love. You are loved just as much as his son. You are part of the family. Aren't you glad about that? Romans 1.7 says, calls you, calls it the beloved of God, the Roman Christians. Beloved of God. Also, he says in Ephesians 1.6, you are accepted. But you're not accepted. Notice You're accepted in the beloved. You're accepted in Jesus Christ. That's the basis of my acceptance. You know, wouldn't it be terrible if God said, okay, I'm going to put you on trial. I'm going to put you on, uh, I'm going to put you on, uh, what's it called? Uh, Probation. probation. There we go. You came out with that quick, brother. (laughs) He knew that, didn't he? He was ready. That's good. Man, I need to tag out. He'd go with the sermon. That was good. Let me tell you. When you and your deacon are in, we're like in mode, aren't we, man? We're like, I could pass this Bible to him and he could preach. Wouldn't it be terrible if God said, I'm going to put you on probation to see if you're good enough to be accepted in heaven? I'm going to tell you, I'd fail in the first 10 minutes. I'd have some bad thought or something or say something stupid. And God said, man, no, you can't. Only the sinless can get into heaven. I'd go, man, I could never make it, Father. Because I know that I've fallen short of your glory. The basis of our acceptance in the presence of God is the perfect Jesus. So the answer is this. If God, now he's not going to ask this question, I don't think. But if, if I were to let you, why should I let you in my heaven? Well, I was a member of Trinity Light Church. Don't say that. Wrong. Well, I was, you know, we had 18 people in our membership class Sunday. So I'm a member. Well, that doesn't matter. Here's the answer. Father, I'm depending totally, 100% on the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's my answer. Father, the reason that you should let me in is if Jesus over here. I'm accepted in Jesus. If you accept him, you'll accept me. Come on in, son. Come on in, daughter, right? That's the answer. You're accepted in the beloved. And because he's father, and because we're precious to him, he will not allow any trial, any storm, any pressure to overcome you or to destroy you. In fact, it says in Matthew, the hairs of your head are numbered. Not counted. Not that you have, you know, 10,000 or whatever, but they're numbered. Intricate detail. He knows the breath that you're going to take. He knows the way that we take. And he says, listen, cast all your care on him. Why? He cares for you. He cares about the things that touch your life. Have you remembered to praise him this week? You should praise him because he's God. He's the one God. But he's also Father. Also, notice this. He's the Father of mercies. That's the th- he's the father. That means this. Father means originator. Remember what it says in John? Satan is the what? The father of what? Lies. Wow, lies originated with him. The father of lies. The originator. So when it says our God is the father of mercies, that means all mercy originates 
from God. And mercy can only be received from God. He's the only source of mercy. You say, well, somebody gave me mercy. Well, then God put that in their heart. Because they couldn't have mercy unless the mercy giver had put mercy in them. If there's mercy in us, it's God's mercy in us. Coming from His image in us, His presence in us. Think about it. God in His grace gives us what we don't deserve. And in His mercy, He doesn't give us what we do deserve. Correct? Lamentation. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. The devil would have done taken us out, wouldn't he? The enemy would have already wiped us out. He would have already destroyed your marriage, your health. The devil can't just do anything he wants to do. But because of God's mercies. Even when we fail the Lord. The Lord doesn't cast us away. His mercies are new every single day. Morning. His mercies are, are described as manifold. They're described as tender. They're described as great. I'll close with this. Fourth reason we need to remember to praise Him is because He's the God of all comfort. And that word comfort means it's used ten times in the first eleven verses. Do you know that? The word comfort or encouragement or consolation is used ten times in the first 11 verses of this book. And it's not sympathy. It's not sympathy we need. But what we need is strength. And the word comfort means one called alongside of us. One called alongside to help us, to comfort us, to strengthen us. And it's the same word we get Holy Spirit from. The Holy Spirit is the one when we're we, he's come, call, he's an advocate. He's one called alongside of us. I went so, some time ago, I had to go to uh, a meeting, official meeting of some kind. And there was a, there's, a, there's a lawyer that my wife works with. In fact, he has the desk next to her. And he's a follower of Jesus and just a great guy. I don't tell any lawyer jokes around Michael. But he's just a nice guy. Loving man, and he told Missy, he said, Listen, tell Joe I'll go with him. I didn't hire him. He just, I just, he just said, Hey, I'll go with him. I want to go with him. I was like, No, no, he said, I want to go. And so he went to this meeting, and I'm going to tell you what, I, 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 this verse, this kind of concept of one called alongside to strengthen you came alive to me. Just having him in the room with me, and I was amazed. He had done all this, and he was going around to talking to these folks and these official people, and he, was, he had never seen these people, didn't know these people, never been here. He was walking around the room like he owned the place. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're here. You know, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why? He strengthened me. All right, I was like, yeah, yeah, we're here. We're... I was nervous as all get out until, but I've got Michael with me, right? I've got the advocate with me. I've got one called alongside to help me. Do you know what? We got better, and I love Michael, and I thank God for him. But we've got God with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. We've got one called alongside. He's the God of comfort. We can face anything. Why? He's the God of comfort. Thank God for that. So what we need to do, let's all stand. Went a little longer than I wanted to, but hey, you needed it. <laughs> I needed it. 
Here's the thing I'm going to pray for. When, we, when we're going through things, we go through stuff, difficulties, circumstances. You can either look to yourself, look to how you're feeling, which we often do. We can look to the mountain. But really what we need to do is by faith, look up to God. And this verse I'll leave you with. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, unto the hills. Whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Amen. Let's look to the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, how grateful we are. You're reminding us to praise you. You're reminding us to worship you. You're reminding us, Lord, not to look to our feelings, not to look to problems, not to look to the difficulties that are around us. But, Father, you want us to look up to you because you are God. You are in control. You're our Father. You're the God of mercies. You're the, you're the Father of mercies. You're the God of all comfort. And, Lord, I don't know exactly all that your people need, but what I do know is that you love us and that as we look to you, you send us amazing strength and amazing grace. Strengthen this fellowship. Strengthen this body. Lord, let such grace be here that we feel that grace. We see that grace among our, our relationships. Lord, we cannot fail if we keep our eyes upon you. Just like Jehoshaphat, just like Paul here. He starts this letter, but yet in living in difficulty, but yet he says... All praise to God. Just throw your hands up, church, and just, just praise Him. All praise to God right now. All praise to our God. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Lord, as we leave this place tonight, we're committed to praise. We're committed to worship. Help us to remember tomorrow when we wake up. The first thing we need to do is say, all praise to God. Let us live this way, Father. Now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we say amen. I love you, church. God bless you as you're dismissed.